Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. With each setback, you've still got the underlying asset there, so you just have to work, work through those processes. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and we're speaking with two-time business owner, seasoned property investor and professional mortgage broker, Steve Stamp. Growing up all around Queensland, learn about how Stamp has simultaneously grown his portfolio and both his businesses from the ground up since the 80s, as well as the highs and the lows of his journey so far. Stamp is the director of two separate companies, one of which he's been managing for decades. I'm a director of a company uh, called Jilkey Homes and also a director of a company called Swift Home Loans. Um, Jilkey Homes is um, uh, it's been operating for a couple of years now and we're uh, sort of started from grassroots and pretty excited with um, the direction that company is going. Swift Home Loans um, has been a, a company that's been established since the mid-90s, um, primarily a mortgage broker. It holds an Australian credit licence um, and between those two entities, it uh, keeps me fairly busy. Stem's usual day consists of setting meetings and talking with people. My days sort of roll on from day to day and so what's involved in my my days, uh, there'll be set, set meetings they could be with um, you know, builders, developers, bankers, um, um, just professionals in the in the property industry, or or it could be that I'm assisting someone to to um, arrange finance for 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 you know for the for the consumer. So um, you know, when once the um, once the day starts, it's uh, in front of the computer with emails, address those as, as as quickly as I can, and then um, pretty much my day my day has started, and 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 that can be quite varied. Before getting involved in property or business, Stemp shares where he grew up. I grew up on in Queensland, so on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, so I did my primary schooling on the Sunshine Coast, and then um, um, then um, my parents, when I was at a younger age, broke up and split up, and um, I ended up in. Uh, Dad, I think had a had a vision that he'd always wanted to own a pub, so we ended me and and my dad ended up about five hundred inland uh, central Queensland in a hotel and uh, so I spent quite a bit of, bit of my uh, early teens uh, there and then um, and then in, in North Queensland so I'm pretty much a Queenslander um, south west and north yeah so that's a, a quick snapshot of as a child at, at any rate to this day stem isn't quite sure why his dad wanted to own a pub just that it was always his goal. I don't really know, and, I, and he hasn't really told me to this date. But he was always um, a blue-collar 
uh, worker, um, you know, uh, worked for the main roads and, and the electrical company. So it was always hard work, labouring position and um, and why he chose the destination and that particular hotel, I, I, I still don't know today. So... Um, yeah, that's interesting. Just, just one, one, of, one of his dreams. Yeah, one of his dreams. Stamp reminisces on some of his childhood memories from working at the pub with his dad. It was a town of only 1,100 people, but there was like five pubs and four clubs, and uh, you know, and there was, and then the men, they were pre- they were pretty, they were brought up tough, you know, like shearers and drovers, and um, and I always remember that we had a. Um, a New Year's Eve party there. So I think we had every every person from within 200k radius all come to the hotel. So it was sort of bursting at the seams. And um, yeah, there was some funny. Yeah, it was a funny situation. Yeah, there was some funny situations that night. Just township just people coming together and, and celebrating in the end of the new year. I, I always remember that because we've never never seen so many people come to the hotel. And they all came. They all came on that particular night. After high school, Stemp decided not to continue studying and entered the workforce went into the workforce at a young age. So, um, uh, yeah, did varied jobs. Uh, when I left school, which was what they called junior certificate at that stage, so I was, I'd just turned 15. Um, uh, so I became a builder's labourer for, for a little while and then I, then uh, we came back to the city and I was working in car. I was doing uh, and uh, factory, factory hand sort of positions and, and um, and then uh, I was made redundant. And I suppose if we moving across into 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 property, once I finished that that um, period of employment, um, I was made redundant after about ten years. And I, and I went went into real estate. I think, you know, that was that was really my first touch in terms of um, of real estate. So I got the salesperson's license and. And that was really the commencement of um, of uh, getting into the property industry in a, in a professional manner. He believes his childhood memories of security helped him focus on real estate. I suppose before the before mum and dad um, split up, I you know I was at at that very young age, like you know first memories. What I remember is that we never rented, uh, so. My first memories were that mum and dad owned the house, um, so there was that sense of security um, always as a child. So um, I think that, you know, that, and mum didn't have much influence, you know, once I, you know, of the age of 10. So, um, but, you know, it was, I uh, felt secure as, as, you know, as a child. So I think property was always the, the underlying asset and security position. After making the decision to enter a property-related career, Stamp hasn't looked back. Since then, it's been um, it's been property. Um, I've worked for property developers, um, and then uh, then I moved into finance. So I'd I'd gone gone to the property, worked for property developers, then took on the role of finance, um, supporting builders and and developers. And um, you know, the so Swift Home Loan still continues today um, from back in the mid-90s, early mid-90s. Having been one for so long, 
Stem explains how different it was to be a mortgage broker in the 90s than it is today. Back in the 90s, it, that, um, there were, not like it is today with aggregators and um, mortgage brokers in those days were um, not paid by, by banks. So I um, worked with builders and developers and, and from the face value, it looked like I was providing a free service um, to to the builders and developers' customers, um, and then if a sale went through, then um, I was paid accordingly um, back then. But obviously, there's been a, a grand shift in um, the way that uh, mortgages and mortgage brokers have now been accepted uh, into the community and by the bank. So um, that's definitely paid and t- uh, changed in terms of uh, revenue. Um, so that's yeah, that's pretty much how I started off, and I think the first bank that paid an income was uh, in those days the Colonial State Bank of New South Wales. That was the name in those days. And I think it was a $250 fee, whether you wrote a $50,000 loan or a $5 million loan, and it was a flat fee. So that, but it was exciting that the, you know, the banks accepted um, the brokers were started to and, and then sort of the world changed after that. This seemed to be a step in the right direction for the mortgage broker profession. I could still provide that service, um, but for someone who who had a young family and um, was trying to put food on the table um, in those days, you know, being paid um, by the banks and the and the acceptance was was certainly made it where you could turn it into a you know a professional you know a full time professional career, which it was, and that's how I started out. And and um, and then the trail book comes in behind. Um, that so it's very professional and very um, regulated and um, and it's yeah it's, it's definitely moved in the right direction. Stem also describes how technology has changed how he does his job over the years. I was telling somebody the other day that the you know the frequency of me of being face to face in front of a of a, an applicant this day is you know it, it's becoming more and more limited like because we have got this this great technology and the identification and especially if they've been clients within the database and I've, you know, and the identification process has already been completed and an existing client at the bank and um, that process is, um, yeah, technology is just amazing. So a big difference from when, when I started and uh, the hard copies, you know, and press hard and sign here. Stay tuned after the break where we'll learn how Steve Stamp got started on his property investment journey. I actually bought a property uh, when I was... I would have been about 20, I think. And I was very, very green. I was single, had, had um, you know, savings and, and um, surplus cash each week and, and life was just fine. So I thought I might go and buy a property. Hear the strategies of Stemp's investment decisions? I've invested in, um, in real estate that, that were underlying businesses. So I've invested in um, um, aquaculture. And I've invested in childcare, and I've and and I've invested in um, in the mining towns. The proof that sometimes investments don't go always to plan. And unfortunately, you can't insure it. There's no insurance against it. So um, again, yeah, it's one of those ouch moments. All this and much more after the break. I'm Tyrone Shump, and you're listening to Property Investory.
Stamp got into property in his 20s, which helped him to decide to enter into real estate as a career later. I actually bought a property uh, when I was, I would have been about 20, I think. And I was very, very green. I was single, had, had um, you know, savings and, and um, surplus cash each week and, and life was just fine. So I thought I might go and buy a property and I was very, very green and I only bought it on, on emotion and impulse. So I bought four, four acre Four acres, and uh, I held that for a two for a couple of years, and um, and unbeknown to me that that four acres was sitting on two titles. Like so, that's how green I was. So, uh, the twenty five thousand dollar investment turned into forty eight thousand uh, dollar investment in a two year period, and I thought, okay, okay, this 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 property this property um, uh, this pro- property game looks interesting, and and it's and it's paying off, and it's profitable, but. As I say, it wasn't until um, that was, you know, that was just, you know, luck um, uh, at that point because I, I had no idea. So it was it wasn't until I got into real estate, and that that was probably the catalyst that I wanted to then understand and and, and work out how it all worked, and um, and that's why I think I went into the real estate profession. His experience working in real estate affected how he looked at buying and selling property. When I commenced real estate, then I developed relationships and I was selling property to developers um, that were purchasing the, the the houses and then cutting blocks off the back and so and basically then reselling the front house for the same amount um, that they had originally purchased so they were getting the the back lot pretty much for free. So that was my second purchase. So once I saw that they were doing, I just uh, once I could see what they were doing, then that was that was my second purchase. So um, and that and, and that worked out that worked out well as well. After his first emotional property purchase in his twenties, it only took a few years for Stamp to gain the knowledge and confidence to make his second, more purposeful purchase. The first purchase would have been in the early 80s and the second purchase would have been in the late 80s. Stemp claims to have learned these development and selling tricks through his experience with property developers as these techniques weren't yet well known to anyone else. Primarily through property developers. So if you came across a particular property, you could make that one call and you you knew that that property was sold. So um, it was pretty much as but I. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't um, known as much publicly. Like that particular developer didn't have to compete with too many. He was in the marketplace, and and um, most of the agents would ring in direct to to affect the sale. Yeah, okay, that's really interesting. And since then, have you kept that those properties, or have they are they still in your portfolio? No, they've um, they've been sold. Um, so the first property sold, and yeah, that yeah they've both been sold. Um, well, three. So I cut the back block off and 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 sold sold them entirely. At this point, Stent focused on simultaneously growing his mortgage broking business as well as property portfolio. I focused on my mortgage business, but I bought properties in that time through that through that process as well. So, and I'm still holding holding property that um, I bought in the early nineties, and I've bought um, speculative properties um, uh, with developers in the past and but they were, they were 
they were um, bought and sold. That was the purpose. They were to be bought and sold, and, and sometimes it was to assist the developer to move an estate along, or or um, um, there'd be a relationship with builder and developer. Stemp has clear goals and criteria when he is investing. Although, as he learnt, sometimes things don't always work out as you planned. I've invested in um, in real estate that that were underlying businesses. So I've invested in um, um, aquaculture, and I've invested in childcare, and I've and and I've invested in um, in the mining towns, um, and and what and so. You know, I, I purchased property with the view to developing um, in mining towns, um, and I purchased on the pro- on the property on the on the way up, um, and then then you know it, it collapsed before I could get back out. Um, I was close to close to um, removing myself um, from there, but um, but anyway, the timing timing was. Unfortunately, not on, on my side, and I still hold those those properties today. Although the signs are that uh, that it is it is an improving market. Um, whether it'll get to the to the levels of um, uh, you know sustain sustaining, I'm all for trying to I'm all for holding 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 assets when they when they don't cost. You know, there's no. Um, it's, um, in this case, it's it's still currently costing. He now believes wide research on the particular area is always important when investing. Those real estate purchases would were done based on businesses and industries instead of um, you know the sound the sound uh, logic of geographical area and supported by you know populations and and um, and and, in, and industry. Yeah, understand. across the board. Across the board. Stem explains how he got involved in this deal and shows that even with research, real estate is sometimes unpredictable. I um, made the conscious decision that I would um, get my toe into that market, and I was only going to do the one property. And I ended up thought the opportunity was was um, better than um, so I went into three. So. I don't think it's all. I think it's you know, if I could take it back again, um, I'd you know obviously limit limit the risk and the commitment into into um, into into those areas that I felt that I researched to the nth degree, had all the meetings with all the right people, but um, yeah, so just overcommitted in, into a, a higher risk area. While this was an unreliable investment, Stemp has another moment that he claims is his worst investment decision. I invested into a um, a uh, prawn farm, um, and uh, no, I think it's well known that in the southeast here we got the uh, the the, um, the white um, the the white. Uh, Anyway, the prawn got the the prawns got the disease in the southeast Queensland. Um, so again, researched and all the best of information, but the white spot um, that uh, yeah that uh, wasn't expecting that one. 
Yeah, how do you how do you overcome situations like that? Because you know, diseases is, and stuff like that is really, to be honest, out of our control. Um, it's well, it's, it is. Yeah. Yes, um, and we hadn't had the um, had the disease, um, and unfortunately, you can't insure it. There's no insurance against it. So, um, again, yeah, it's one of those ouch moments. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, why? Why? But the, why? but the underlying asset's still there. So, um, yeah. But why? Why did you invest into that particular asset um, there? What was appealing about it? Was it a good return? Was it a good capital growth? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, with those with those farms um, in those areas, there's a number of them. They're all they're all backed by. Um, com- Pretty much complete buyout by coals or woolies. Uh, so, in 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 the finance, I get to see the the financials, and, and you know it's the profitability and and um, and the contracts that were in behind it in terms of the income and the revenue from the from the property. So, um, so yeah, it, it'll look it'll all look very good for um, the long term white spot. Despite the setback, Stemp still holds this asset and is currently looking at how to diversify his investment. We're looking at different markets now um, to um, produce other type of um, marine. So, yeah, we're looking at a particular fish at this current time. So, um, yeah, we're making it's, it's a difficult process because you, you, you're trying to um, manage, you know, can the can the prawn industry kick off again, or do you go straight into another market which you have to research? So yeah, that's happening now. Okay, and with something like that, would you have to invest more capital into it to change how the farm works and, and functions to be able to? Not a great deal. No, it's already an existing hatchery, and um, and um, and the ponds are all set up. So no. That's good. Well, I mean, then there's opportunity there. Because... Yeah, there's yeah, all there is. Yes. Um, so with each with each setback, um, uh, with the mining area and 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 with this, there's yeah, you've still got the underlying asset there. So you just have to work work through those processes. On a more positive note, Stent believes his working relationships with people was the most significant catalyst in his investment journey. Causing everything to click into place. I think that the aha moments. Um, uh, I think it's just uh, the relationships that that you form have have had you know good success where you're working with other professionals, so you don't make um, um, that you don't. Yeah, so. Uh, if I'm working with land and I'm working with builders, and then we can come to some form of um, uh, property transaction, I found those to be, you know, they, they work effectively because they're experts in what they do, and and um, I think it's the relationships and and and, and trusted in, in in good source, good source of information and the people that you work with uh, that hasn't. As long, yeah. If you just work through and and understand the investment, um, I've found they're, they're the best results. Stent reiterates the importance of knowledgeable people in getting good investment results. Have people around, smart people, um, and trusted people, 
as as your source and of information and and people that you want to work with. And uh, generally speaking, you get positive results. And how he's gone about surrounding himself with these trusted people. For me, that's just come through um, time. Um, being in, being in the in the in the lending and the banking industry and and relationships, but um, you know I've I've been to you know listen to people over the years and and you and you you take bits and pieces from each each time you and then each time you you, you go and then you um, you'll be drawn and ask questions and, and you feel comfortable with them and the information they're giving you and, and to double check that, cross check that and then you will you'll form that relationship uh, where you say that person's professional and they know what they're doing. Join us on a future episode of Property Invest Story where we learn more about Steve Stemp and his investment strategies. I've held property currently but in the most part of I've uh, maximised the benefits from from the um, the land purchase and developed and moved on and sold. How his business helps investors, and that makes it easier if for, for your investors moving forward. That it's actually not a drain on your on your income. The best advice he can give to new investors: hold assets if they're not costing you, and you make your you make your profit. All this to look forward to and much more on a future episode of Property Investory.